check, check, check me out, check, check. We are living. Let me try it again. We are living single. <coughs> that was bad. We are living single in a 90s kind of world. I'm glad I got my girls. Well, that song is really not accurate to my life because I'm not single. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Uh, my name is Jared Waters, your host, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian, author, illustrator, whatever I am, whatever you say I am, I am, except a Satanist. Uh, we're back. A happy quarantine to people that are quarantining and teening and quarantining. Uh, shout out to everyone that's on the ground, our first responders and essential workers. Shout out to my dog, Joe Sappho, Dr. Sappho. Shout out to my dog, Bernardina, Nurse Bernardina, out there on the front lines, keeping everybody safe. We appreciate that. Uh, shout out to my man, Garrett McCall, a.k.a. G-Double. Uh, he's our official engineer for the podcast, so this is why it sounds so good. We got a theme song coming up. Good times, folks, good times. Where do, where do we begin? A lot of things happening in this world. A lot of things happening in this world. Uh, I guess this week, if you don't know, this is Teacher Appreciation Week, where people around the world are appreciating teachers. Uh, usually, since we're not in school right now, if you're in school, this is the week where teachers start to rack up gift cards, cash money, you know. You just feel like an NCAA player, you know, just getting paid underneath the table. <laughs> well, just gift cards and stuff, which is totally legal. So it's that. A uh, lot of emails for me. A lot of old students hitting me up saying thank you, which is cool, which is cool. Um, It made me think, though, about... uh teachers that I had in the past, teachers that influenced me. I think I had some good teachers and some bad teachers. I would say <laughs> I remember I remember I think I remember I do remember my middle school teachers. I think since I moved around a lot it was hard for me to develop like excuse me, like bonds with them. I remember we went from oh yeah, I don't think I, I went to the school called E B A Cock in North Carolina. I didn't really like those teachers really didn't know who I was. I think they loved my brother. They didn't really know who I was. But I think the first teacher that made an impact on me, good or bad, uh, Mr. Balantenko, that was his name. Rest in peace, Balantenko. He passed away, I think, three or four years ago. I remember this guy told me, because this was back in the Netherlands when America was at war. We were in war in Iraq. Nobody really wanted to be Americans like that. I wanted to be around Americans, and I remember like being like pro, pro war, and then talking to him, and he just asked me, he goes, hey, "Let me show you this video," and probably he wasn't supposed to show me this video as like a, a high schooler, but he showed me this video about this documentary that happened in Iraq, and he goes, "Look at these people, how they're affected by war." Then after that, we just had this relationship where he goes, "Challenge everything. Don't accept anything for what it is because." History is only written by one perspective. Your goal in life is to look at all perspectives. Then after that, he just he just literally effed my brain up in a good way. He just made me think about stuff outside the box, Mr. Balantanko. And then we would just, we became Facebook friends maybe six, seven years ago. And we'd always write each other happy birthday. And he always just had memories. And he goes, this is what you were like in high school. I'm glad your views have changed. And I'm like, that meant something to me. You know, Balantanko, he was Canadian. So, Balantanko, who else? Uh, Coach Kitts. Ooh. <laughs> I don't even know if Coach Kitts at the time should have been 
should have been a t- should have been a, a high school teacher because Kitts was probably he was maybe twenty five. I don't know if he was that old, but I know he was mad young. So I know everything we talked about he could relate to because he was young himself. Like I think the hardest part for a teacher is being a young teacher with like high school students because you're not that much older than them. You guys are probably into the same stuff. I remember freaking kids would have like hickeys on his neck. <laughs> he would have <laughs> he would come to school with hickeys on his neck. Like, yo, what are you doing? And he's just he's just a young man living in Japan. Oh, I was in high school in Japan. I remember I asked kids <laughs> uh I asked kids, uh, yo, can I can I be in your homeroom class? He goes, For what? Why do you want to be in my homeroom class? I said, kids, man, I just, you know, my you're my wrestling coach. He goes, you don't freak out. I know you do. You want to be in this homeroom class because your girl's in here? I said, kids, it ain't even like that, man. Freak, no, no, freak, no. And then I was like, kids, come on. And then he goes, all right, freak. And he signed it, and he literally put me in his homeroom class. I literally was just doing whatever the F I wanted, man. But that was the, that was the, the other part. But the good part is Coach Kitts was, like, one of the first people that ever, he, like, got me into wrestling. He got me into, like, just show me that adulthood is tough like i remember him like being the first person to show me a peek into adulthood to be like you think these kids like we're talking about coaches or something like that and he just was just honest with me he just like look we get paid to coach you guys this isn't volunteer work and it made me think about so much much like oh well these people aren't doing this for free yeah they want to win but at the same time they're paid to do this so he made me see beyond things he would like always challenge me uh he was the first teacher that i'd ever had that loved to have fun like encouraged being funny like encouraged you to go up there and do a practical joke if it failed he would act like he didn't know i remember he he uh he was an offensive lineman coach so he encouraged my boy joe saffle the doctor to uh (laughs) he goes joe uh if you're gonna fake your injury fake it for real And, and joe goes all right so Joe falls on his, his elbow and starts screaming. Ah! He starts screaming. All the head coaches run over to the football field, and <laughs> and then Joe's like, Joe. Then Joe's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I promise. I'm good. Coach gets it. I didn't know what happened. I don't know. He freaking fell on his elbow. I don't know. What the freak am I supposed to do? And uh, maybe three years ago, four years ago, before I moved to New York, um, Kitts was at Disney World, and he goes, I'm going to be at Disney World. I was like, y'all, come down and see you, because I was working at Disney. And uh, we spoke for, like, maybe we spent the whole, probably, like, four hours together before I drove back to Tampa. And one of the just dopest moments was to sit with a a dude who, not even a teacher, more like a friend, you know what I mean? Like, he tried his best to understand, like, a mind. If it was, like, a young black kid, you know, he would try to be like, hey, I don't need you hanging out with that kid. This kid's bad. Like, you know, I appreciate his opinion. Uh, (laughs) Because sometimes... Everything evolves like kids evolve. You know what I mean? Yeah. We just sat there, man. We just sat there and s- and spoke. And I just, we became friends. Like, we really became friends. I think he teared up when I left. He introduced me to his kids. <laughs> his kids remind him so much of him. His kids were, like, cursing and stuff. I was like, your kids curse. He goes, I told him not to say the F word. Anything else is cool. So it was, like, one of those dope moments. It was just, like, someone who just, like, inspired me. I remember he told me one time, because I was, like, nervous about wrestling somebody he goes just freaking quit just quit just quit you don't want to wrestle quit and he thought that would motivate me to wrestle harder so i literally quit on the mat in seven seconds and then when the head coach came up to me he's like jared you just let him pin you i said coach kids told me to throw the match kids like i didn't say that you freaking liar i never said that. I never said that. 
Ah, that was kits. Ah, man, what a good dude. I'm, I'm going to text him and just say thank you, man. So I think about the, the teachers that I had in my life. One teacher that I had, I have so many, but I had some just old. Sometimes you had really old teachers that are still living. Uh, Mr. Thek. Mr. Thek. I remember him because he used to snitch to my mother about my brother. And we were doing parent-teacher conferences, and I was like, you know, he would say, Jared's a good kid, but Emmanuel, does this guy have a bladder problem? Every 30 minutes, he's in the bathroom hanging out. I'm like, what a freaking snitch. <laughs> Thank. We had uh, we had some weird teachers, like Mr. Gullen. A teacher named Mr. Gullen, he would just tell all these corny jokes, but I loved him for trying to make jokes. He said, what does, what does, a, plant, what does a plant say in math? That was his joke. He goes, geometry. Just <laughs> just some uh, horrible attempts. I think the worst teacher I had in my life was, I think this was in second grade. I think this is, yeah, I think I got, I don't know if I got kicked out of the school, but I think I pretty much, I got suspended. Me and my brother got suspended off the bus. No, we got, I got suspended from the school. I forgot her name. But what happened was, when I moved, when I was living, I was young. I think maybe I was like, maybe third grade. I know my father just got back. He was leaving to Saudi Arabia, so he was coming back and visiting. And you know, as a kid, your dad leaves for seven months. You're of course you're naturally going to act out. But I was like starting school, so I started school, and I always wanted to feed the class goldfish. I always wanted to feed the class goldfish. That was like my everyone got to feed the goldfish, but she never let me have a chance to feed the goldfish. But what I didn't know is my dad told her before I started school, you know, Jared's highly allergic to seafood. He can't be around fish, anything else. So I couldn't feed the goldfish. My dad told her that. But she never told me that. She just said, Jared, one day if you're a good boy, you can feed the fish. So every day I'm like, I'm on my best behavior. Why can't I feed this fish? She goes, oh, well, you forgot to write your name. You can't feed the class fish. Then I was like, you know what, man? F this. I'm just going to feed the fish. I took all the fish food and I dumped it in the tank. I dumped all the, <laughs> I dumped all the fish food in the tank. And uh, <laughs> then I left. I just dumped, I dumped the whole thing and left. I went home. It was a weekend. And I remember because the next Monday, the kids were like, what happened? And like, well, where's the class fish? And I remember this time, she just, instead of talking to me, she just belittled me in front of the whole class. She goes, well, we can't feed the class fish today. And they're like, why? Because Jarrett killed the fish. Everybody's like, what? And they go, yeah, why don't you turn around and ask Jarrett why he killed the fish? And I remember all these kids so you fish killer, you fish murderer, you fish killer. And I was already upset because my dad was gone like Saudi Arabia, so I didn't give an F. I was like, yeah, I killed the fish, and I'll kill more if you bring them. Boy, <laughs> that was like war. I remember being in third grade just killing all these. Every time someone brought a fish, I would dump a highlighter in the tank, everything. I think it's about like maybe like eight more fish, and then they called my dad. I think my dad came home for something. And we had a meeting, and I remember my dad was just like, I think my dad, went, he had to buy a goldfish, and then I told my dad, I was like, he's asking me why I did it, and I told him because they wouldn't feed the class goldfish, and he was like, you can't feed the goldfish because you're allergic. I was like, well, she never told me that. He goes, well, I'm not going to spank you because of that. I'm going to spank you because you don't have enough money to be killing these people's fish. You don't got no job to be killing fish. So <laughs> I forgot the teacher's name. Now I forgot the teacher's name. But, yeah, I, I remember good ones. Thick, freaking... I remember a teacher named Miss Achenbach. I think he, I forgot what she had. I remember because my dear friend Carla was in the class with Miss Achenbach. Shout out to my girl Carla. Oh, we got a good episode coming out. She called in. 
Okay, let's see what's happening in the world. I know it's a little babble, but, you know, it's been a long time. Uh, that was that. Oh, bad news. Uh, if you don't know, on a serious tip, uh, this black man named Ahmad Albury was murdered uh, by two gentlemen in the neighborhood, two gentlemen, a father and son, that killed this black man when he was walking, when he was running. He was running in the neighborhood, and they thought, See, I'm going to get what they thought. They lie, actually lied. They told the cops that there's a lot of burglars in this neighborhood. So they were staking it out to find the burglars. So they said this guy was peeking into empty houses. And after he peeked into empty houses, they said that they, they caught him. So what really happened in actuality, this guy was just going for a jog in his neighborhood. Just going for a jog in his neighborhood. And this man named Gregory and Travis Michael, father and son, and the guy recording, they were like staking him out. Pretty much they staked him out. And they tracked him down, and they stopped his car, and he tried to go around the car, and they asked him to freeze, and they shot him, and then he wrestled with the gun, and they shot him with a shotgun, right? And the reason why this is a not a sticky situation, because you know these gentlemen are both wrong, is that Travis and his dad, well not Travis, but Gregory Michael, um, He's his dad, Gregory, used to work for the DA, right? So he used to be a police officer for 20 years. So pretty much police officers have this code where they stick up for each other. No matter if they're wrong, they're in this fraternity together, and they got each other's back. No matter what happens, they're always going to have each other's back. So he pretty much lied, and then the DA pretty much swept his case underneath the rug. So nobody's going to hear about Aubrey. Everybody, just his parents were upset, and everybody else. Everybody knew it was wrong. But no one understood the details until this other guy who was recording it passed the footage on. Everyone was pretty much laughing and sharing the footage, and someone leaked the footage. So thank God to the person who leaked the footage. And now, uh, currently, uh, last night, they were arrested. Gregory and Michael both were arrested. They both, uh, uh, yeah, they both, they both are gonna. They're getting tried for murder. They're getting tried for murder, and they're getting tried for manslaughter. And the problem was that since the, a lot of the DAs, nobody wanted to take the case because this guy used to be in Georgia. He used to work with different, um, different, uh, different. Uh, what do you call it? It's called. Uh, so I think it's like the, the person of, of justice, right? So a lot of people didn't take the case because of what the father did and what the t father put off, right? So right now, most a lot of people have been protesting and signing petitions, so they pretty much arrested him, which is good, right? The only problem is, will they go to jail? Like George Zimmerman never went to jail, right? He went to jail, he got out, and then he beat the case. So the question is, will they beat the case? And the question is, I don't, I don't know, right? I don't know, but I know it's not right for, for a kid, not a kid. He's 25, a man to just be jogging in the neighborhood, and someone thinks, what well, I don't even think. They were just, they created this whole story. Because pretty much all the stories said that he was staking the guy out, and this, there were no break-ins in the neighborhood so they pretty much made it up they thought this guy was robbing places he probably just thought this kid doesn't live here but he actually had a house there so which brings us to the other topic because recently all these police officers are getting in trouble because they've been just effing people up there's another kid not another kid another man another black it's just it's weird because not weird this has been happening for a while but when you see police officers in the community in the the interaction with black and brown people doesn't seem good. Now, I have my run-in with the police before. They have met good cops, and I met bad cops before. And I think the problem is there's so many good cops out there 
It's just the bad ones do bad things and they have to stick up. They, it's like a brotherhood. They have to hold each other down. Because when you're going through that fire, you know, you want someone to have your back. For example, I can give a, I can give a better example. So, so like in the military, right? In the military back in like the 1940s, 1950s, you know, racism was heavily was heavily separated, right? Segregated everything else. But in the military, a lot of people were coming together. Like, look, we don't care if you're black or white. We're fighting for America, so we have to have each other's back. That's how it is, sort of like that. My friend's a police officer, so I was talking to him about it. And sometimes it's frowned upon in the in the police realm. If you turn your back on an officer, you feel like you don't have the officer's back. And I've met I've met good cops before. I've met bad cops before. I remember I met a good cop. I met a lot of good cops. I met I met maybe maybe one or two bad ones before, but it had nothing to do with me and him. But I wonder. I think I was talking to my boy Garrett about this. How I was talking to my boy Lito. Uh, shout out to Jose Lito. Our podcast is coming back. Uh, which way is up coming back soon but what we were talking about is like how inside black and brown communities how the cops are introduced <coughs> excuse me to to your neighborhoods to everything else how some people in different neighborhoods the cops are introduced as these people are here to help you but in other neighborhoods the cops are introduced if you do this you're gonna get in trouble these cops are here be quiet don't say anything right it's like a a warning in some neighborhoods about the cops. Like, my dad was so strict on me. <coughs> and I didn't get it at the time because I was young. But, like, even when I did something that was right and he said it was wrong, I would be so mad because I was right. And he would always be all like, sit down, be quiet, don't talk back, don't talk back, just say yes, sir. All I need you to hear is yes, sir. And I used to get so frustrated. I would just say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, to end the conversation, right? And after the compliance, I realized that it would be done. So in the back of my mind, my dad used to say this, like, if you ain't going to listen to me, what do you think a police officer is going to do to you? Right? And I realized he was gearing me to get inside situations where there's so many times I was with a police officer and I de-escalated the situation. So whatever his thoughts were, he's like, well, this kid's all right. Let him go. I've got out of several. There's some good cops out there. I've got out of several tickets before. I think I was in New York one time. And uh, not one time. I live in New York. And I was moving my car during my lunch break. And an unmarked car pulled me over because I guess I went in front of the crosswalk. <coughs> First thing I did, put my hands out the window, put my wallet in on the dashboard, took my hat off. The police officer looks very shocked. He goes, hey, what are you doing? I say, hey, uh, I didn't know what I did wrong. I just moved here from Florida. Um, but here's my hands. My wallet's in the front. And I'm getting my license and registration. It'll be to your right. And he goes, why are you doing that? And I just knew. Geared up being in the South is what we do. Don't give him an excuse to do anything else. And he goes, thank you so much. This was a whole lot easier. I'm just going to give you a warning. Boom. Nice guy, right? Did the same thing driving to North Carolina. And that's when I had my Florida tags. And this guy goes, woo Mr. Sunshine State. Guess y'all like to cruise in Florida, huh? I said, well, I didn't think I was speeding. You didn't think you were speeding? 70 miles, that's speeding, boy. It's about 55 right here, so you was going pretty fast. I said, I thought I could go to 10 over. Yeah, you thought wrong, buddy. License and registration. So I had everything else, and he said, good. He said, look, I'm going to have to write you a ticket, all right? I give about five freebies a day, and you ain't going to be the one today, right? But he thanked me for doing that, right? Uh, another chance I had a top running with a cop was when <coughs> I was in North Carolina, 
but this is when this is has to be 2009 first got my car I had to drive from Greenville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, North Carolina, and this is when I didn't have a GPS, and I printed out the directions, and I was lost as F, didn't know where I was going, trying to follow. I forgot what that thing was called. You would print out directions and follow it. So I'm driving through this small town, trying to read the directions, and I'm maybe going 50 and I'm 35. I see a cop pass me. I see him whipping around. I was like, freak, stop, pull over to the side. First thing I say is, I'm so sorry. I just freak. I just started acting. I'm so sorry, officer. My dad's freaking going to kill me. I just got this car. He's going to beat me. And I showed him my military ID first because I was a dependent. He said, ho, ho, hold on, son. Come on. Your dad's not going to, ho, buddy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What you mean your dad's going to kill you? Come on. Let's sit down. Come on. Come on. Don't freak out. I said, look, I, I, I was literally, I'm, I'm going to a wedding. And I, I, it's my first. I haven't drove in a long time. My dad, he's fighting for this country. I'm sorry I gave you my military ID. This is my driver's license. He said, buddy, co- hey, 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 bud, calm down, okay? I know you didn't. I'm just letting you know I'm stopping you because this is a small town, so there could be a kid popping out, and you can't slam on your brakes fast enough driving about 45 and a 35. Maybe he was going 55, but I'm going to say 45. And since you don't know this town, I'm going to give you a, a break. But let me tell you, you need to call somebody. Your dad's going to hurt you, son. You need to let me know, okay? Are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm just very I'm very nervous. I don't know what to do. He goes, come here. Hey, come here. And he just, he freaking hugged me. This cop hugged me. So I said, there's good police officers out there, you know? I've been around a bad one. I remember I was in, uh, most of these things are happening in New York. I seen a city cop one time on the train. He was in a bad mood. Now, this is what I say, like, cops are in a bad mood. Psychologically, you don't know what type of mood they're in. And he was pissed off about something. Buff cop. And he's sitting there, and he's sitting there yelling at people like, don't open the freaking door. This is not your day. Nobody's day. He's punking everybody on the train, right? And this young Asian kid is on the train. He has his headphones on. He can't hear. And you just hear the cop yelling, don't do it. Don't open the door. And he doesn't hear. He opens the door. He grabs his kid and slings him to a seat. And then he walks off. And this black dude's walking. He shoulder checks him hard. Now, this black dude is with this, uh, he's with his girl. He's with this white, white girl there dressed up business casual. And you see everything in his fiber to calm down, right? And you see the cop go, I wish you would. So I think some police officers do, you know, they're like, you know, they might have bad days. But I've I've known there are good police officers. But at the, at the same time, I know there's racist police officers. One of my old roommates is a cop, and I know he's a racist. And that's not me accusing him. I remember living with him, and I know, and I knew in my head, this is his first time living with a black person, so I had to. I wanted to be the best roommate possible to be cool. Now he would throw parties with his army pit buddies and stuff like that before he became a cop. They were smoking our house, everything else, fine. One time he got drunk and we're they're drinking at the house, and he's talking to me. And then you know when you get drunk, you start telling the truth. And it's like a white dog and a black dog. He goes, Jared, why don't you want to hug, hug the black dog? And I was, he's drunk. He goes, because he's a nigger, huh? Because he and I was like, what? I was like, what? So I was like, whatever. So my thing was like, I, c- I can't hurt. I can't beat this guy up right now because, number one, he's my roommate. Number two, you know, I got to talk to him and let him know this word is not okay, right? So before I go talk to him, right, and my other roommate became a cop as well. This is how I know there's good cops and bad cops. So we're sitting there talking, and the whole time, like, my roommates, they would gossip amongst each other, but my roommate Travis with the time would just ask me questions instead of just asking I was like, what's up, Trav? Do you got something to say? He goes, dude, we just got a question. Why do you walk around with that black duffel bag all the time? What's in it? I was like, dude. He goes, it's a Gucci bag. I said, like, dude, this is like my gym bag. 
He goes, what? I said, look, there's nothing but clothes in here. He goes, really? I said, yeah, what the freak? I don't care. I don't care if it's a Gucci bag. It's fake. I just I just need a duffel bag. He goes, oh, everybody was wondering what you had in there. I was like, why would someone put drugs in a Gucci bag? I was like, sometimes when I go to the store, I don't want to carry all these bags back to the car, so I put my groceries in this bag. So Travis, you know, he would ask questions. Like, Travis would ask questions. And one more time, I'm sitting in the room. Nobody knows I'm there. I'm just dead quiet. You know, I'm nosy listening. And the other roommate, again, drops the N-word. And then uh, Travis goes, I don't think Jared would like it if you say that, man. So maybe you shouldn't say it. He goes, uh, I mean, he's not here. So my boy Travis, I know for he's a cop now. I know for real there's good people out there. But at the same time, I know good and well that my old roommate, I know this guy, probably is a, ra- probably is a racist. Everything, I was probably the best roommate he could ever have. I was quiet, everything else. But I remember some of my, somebody came at a party at my house and they dropped, like, tobacco buds in the trash can. He goes, you freaking smoking weed in here? The freak, this is not your apartment. I was like, ho, ho, first of all, you just had a party of mad drugs in here. And I didn't say anything of all your people. I was like, I had a small get-together. They just put tobacco buds inside there. He goes, yeah. So he just blacked out on me, right? And I was like, wow, if he's going to black out on me, somebody knows, what is he going to do to somebody on the street as he's cruising as a sheriff, effing people up? I am aware of stuff like that, you know? But I say this to say that, you know, it's it's two different things. The cop things of cops beating up people are inside, like enforcing, enforcing social distancing. They have to do it. I get that, right? But they're saying in different neighborhoods they're police different. And I think that's there. I think the answer would be, because I have a lot of great cops friends, is just having people from their communities police them. It's hard listening to a person who doesn't speak your language. Because I know there's good police officers out there. There's good police officers out there. And there's officers that have bad days. Bad days and you're in a different situation. You might be nervous. You might do everything else. So I think there should be like, you should just let people police their people, which is strange. But I think that some there's tougher cops on tougher neighborhoods. And some people that might be scared in different neighborhoods. To the other guy, Ahmad, I think that's why I put tied together. Ahmad was killed by an off-duty cop, a retired cop, right? I think it was just him just being just a, a bad neighbor and saying he's doing a, uh, a citizen's arrest when there was no crime. So prayers up, man. Prayers up to Ahmad. Prayers up to everybody affected with this. You know what I mean? But there has to be... There has to be a dialogue with the the community and police officers. There has to be a trust again inside the community, you know? Because I have my police, uh, my neighbors was a police in Florida. Great guy. Great guy. We talked all the time. Uh, a lot of my friends are police officers. And they tell me the truth. They tell me the truth. But that it's at the same time, they tell the truth. Like, we're boys. We have to back each other up. So if they see something wrong, they'll do it. But it's it's a fraternity. It's a fraternity. And it's hard to break that fraternity. When some people target cops, you know, but it's crazy that it's been going on since freaking forty years. Forty years about cops and the cops and low people in different neighborhoods. So prayers up to that. What else is going on in this world? You know, I feel bad if I'm ranting. You know what I mean? But eff it. You know, we got nowhere to go. Uh, Joe Biden and Tower Reed. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, we don't. <laughs> Uh, Joe Biden, I don't know what's worse, Joe Biden's accusations or his hair plugs. I don't know what's worse. Uh, is Joe Biden going to beat Donald Trump? I don't know. I I think Donald Trump's going to beat him by a large margin because Joe Biden is just, I think he's trying to base everything off, he's trying to base everything off like what he did for Obama. But a lot of people just like, so what? 
And this girl, Tara Reid, this girl, a woman, Tara Reid, she said that Joe Biden pinned her against the wall and, uh, and like, uh, I guess he grabbed her buttocks. He grabbed her, he grabbed, he sexually assaulted her in 1993. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden has denied it. But I think that's going to cost Joe Biden a lot of votes. I think the people really wanted Bernie Sanders and the Democratic Party split up, you know. So uh, it depends who he picks as the vice president. I think he might be the vice I don't. I just. I don't think Joe can do it. I think there's more Trump supporters than Biden supporters out there. Other news: Adele. Yo, Adele lost mad weight. Oh my God, Adele, man, she looks. She look. Adele looks good, but the thing is, I think she looks better big, personally. You know, I'm from the South. We like bigger people, but uh. I just think Adele, man, it's just. I don't know if she. I think big people sing better than skinny people. You know what I mean? That's it is what it is. It's just that girth, that girth in that voice. I think people except Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson is an excuse. Fantasia is an excuse. But Aretha Franklin was a big girl. And trust me, she could blow. Patty LaBelle, she ain't big, but she thick. I just think fans will not relate to Adele because they're saying how I'm saying her she looks good now, but I'm not saying I'm saying this. When you say that she looks so much better now, it's kind of saying that you're saying that she was ugly before, and I don't think she was ugly before. I felt like we felt her music because she was bigger. You know what I mean? A big girl going through a breakup, you feel those songs. You know what I mean? I heard that you're settled down. You found a girl and you're married now. Like, I can feel that. Like, what are you going to sing about? Yeah, you lost your... You lost your husband. He took $140 million away from you through Chuck. You know what? Never never mind. I think she might have a good album. Uh, <clears throat> I just feel like Adele's album 25 was not that good, and she robbed Beyonce in her whole speech. Like, Beyonce, you're my queen. This award deserves, this award belongs to you, Beyonce. This You deserve this award. I like to thank everybody in my record company. Like, girl, give her the award if she deserves it. But, you know, that's Adele. Shout out to Adele. What else is going on? I just got a whole list. Kanye West has become a billionaire. Dang, man. I'm happy for Kanye, man. All my people that's drug dealing just to get by. Stacking money, tell me it's sky. I remember Kanye West, 2004 is when he came out. <coughs> and he said he wanted to be a billionaire. So like Biggie Small said, he said, uh, who would have thought hip-hop would take it this far? I'm like, man, we have... Jay-Z's a billionaire. Kanye's a billionaire. I think we got a lot of billionaires happening in hip-hop, so it's a good a good, good month for hip-hop. Shout-out to Kanye West. I like how Kanye West is still Kanye, just still cocky. They said he's worth $1.3 He goes, I'm worth $3.3 I was like, yeah, of course, yeah. Kanye, another Trump supporter. So, yeah, I think Kanye might influence the election as well. Dragon energy. But shout-out to Kanye West. Ooh, freak. Oh, freak. I guess I'm just, go- I'm just going on what's happening. So this podcast is just current events. <sighs> Takashi 69 <laughs> Takashi 69 dropped a song today. Dropped a song today. And uh, he, he, he went live and broke Instagram's record by going live. He went live. And uh, this is a song. I'll play a little bit. Let me play a little bit. Here we go. Hold on. Uh, is that it? Yeah, let's post that. Takashi. Takashi69 dropped to. Here we go. 
I man, it's it's so hard, man, because that song is actually kind of fire. I felt bad listening to it. I think the problem <coughs> with Takashi Six Nine is that hip hop has evolved. Hip hop used to be not hip hop. Hip hop has evolved to what it is. It used to be about poor people talking about struggling, about you know moving forward. It used to be a reflect on these poor on not poor communities, on the community in the neighborhood. The thing is with Takashi is that the artists come from these neighborhoods, but the consumers don't come from these neighborhoods, right? Consumers don't come from these neighborhoods at all. Meaning, it's hard to put hood principles on people who are not from this neighborhood, if that makes sense. Like growing up, every I remember growing up as a kid, snitches get stitches, don't stitch, don't snitch, don't snitch. As soon as I get around people, certain things I just don't do because that's the, that's the code, right? But it's just like most of all his fans are not from that code. And when you listen to him, Takashi said they s- his these gangbangers, what's gangbangers, this gang that he was in. can't say gangbangers because he was a part of it too. But he said they weren't loyal to him. You know, I understand his motives, but it's just like sometimes you're breaking a principle by doing this. <coughs> Excuse me. He goes, uh, he said that they messed with his baby mother. They stole his money. They kidnapped him. They beat him up, and they tried to hurt his mother. And he goes, I snitched because they weren't loyal to me. I would never. He calls himself a rat. And my thing is, at least he's embracing, he's embracing who he is. He's embracing who he is. Like, you can't get mad at a man for, he's he's acknowledging he's a rat. Like, this is, this is, uh yeah, whoo. This is me alone on the hill, folks. I'm just alone on the hill with my own thoughts, man. I'm sorry, man. I may feel like I'm rambling, but this is what it is. And I think, I think Takashi will be okay. He just broke the YouTube record, the fastest person to do a million in an hour. He broke the Instagram record, was three hundred thousand dollar, three hundred thousand people on live. His went to two million. I think that Takashi's <laughs> just a star, man. He's a star, and it's gonna be curious that young artists are gonna have to debate your morals, or do you want to hit? You know, because his fan base are young kids, and young kids now aren't into, like, holding it down. They're not into, like, going to prison for somebody else if someone did you wrong. So Meek Mills is saying, like, yo, he's a rat, and everybody's just like, yeah, we know that. That's what he said. He acknowledges that. So, yeah, I'm going to get up out of here. Well, no, no, no. This week was May 4th. Uh, May the Force be with you. Shout out to Star Wars. I love Star Wars, one of my favorite trilogies of all time. I did not like the sequels, I did not like those at all. I felt like <coughs> the sequels are disrespectful to George Lucas. I feel like, if you don't know, George Lucas created Star Wars. And my only knock about George is that he shouldn't have sold Star Wars for $4 billion. Now, I know $4 billion is a lot of money. $2 billion in cash, the other $2 billion in Disney shares. Seems like a lot of money, which is a lot of money. But at the same time, you gave up your creative control. And I feel like, I feel, I think George Lucas, when he sold it, he gave them a trilogy in their hand. And Bob Iger pretty much said, uh, once you sell this to me, we're going to do whatever we want with the franchise. You just take the money and pretty much shut the F up, right? And George wasn't happy. And George had to be quiet because 
you can't be a share in Disney and not like a certain product because these are, it's your money, you know what I mean? It's your horizontal money that you have. But what people don't understand is that George understands the fan base. Like these people in Star Wars, it's been 40 years. Like Star Wars, I would say Star Wars is dang near as old as most of these Marvel characters. He's been out there for a while. I know Marvel is probably the 40s or 50s or something like that, but Star Wars has been for 40 years. So people have been investing to these characters, and the way Luke Skywalker went out was just a platypus move. And I think J.J. Abrams tried to save the movie with Rise of Skywalker, but it was just too, you, it was too much. You destroyed all the previous movies to make this movie. And Ray saying that she's a Skywalker now, like, girl, sit down somewhere. You ain't no Skywalker. We don't know who you is, Ray. Freak. That was, that was me acting, but nah, man, it can't be. You can't say the rise of a Skywalker if there's no Skywalkers left. Now, if you don't know, there was a Legends comic book when I was like maybe 18 to like 20. There was all these comic books coming out, and they were real good stories about Luke Skywalker. He had like three kids. He married a girl named Jane. Jade. Jade was a Jedi, and she used to work for the Sith. They had a child, and his name was Ben. That's probably where they got uh, Kylo Ren. The only good thing about the sequel trilogies, I would say, is... Ben Kenobi, he actually was a good character. They just, they dropped the ball on his character. You know what I mean? He could have, they could have just let him become evil. He could have been the most powerful Sith and ended it like that. They could have did that. But they just brought Senator Palpatine back, didn't explain anything. And you just let a girl who barely started training as a Jedi with no training at all, not even a girl, just a regular it's not her that she's a girl, because I think having a girl Jedi is the coolest thing ever. But I think you're just letting, you're just letting her for two movies become the strongest person in the galaxy by killing a, the Palpatine, because that's his, her grand, her his granddaughter. Sit down somewhere, sit down, have several seats. But uh, Rogue One was good. I love Rogue One, and now I start to like the prequels better. I like the prequels. Episode three is my favorite. When uh, Anakin went bad, when he choked out Padme, that hurt me the hardest when he choked her out. You turned her against me? She goes, Anakin, no, I didn't bring him here. You brought him here. The, the funniest scene is when Anakin pulls out his lifesaver on these kids. Master Anakin. Oh, no, he's about to fight the kids. And when Padme confronted him, she was hurt. She goes, you're over there killing younglings? And he goes, you shouldn't be here. I think the only problem with, with the prequels is just too much CGI. Like, they wanted Star Wars to look more gritty like Rogue One. I think if it looked more gritty like Rogue One, people would rock with the prequels. But I would say the prequels are better than the sequels. Uh, the Mandalorian, I like that. Mandalorian. I think the Star Wars universe, if they just give it to Jon Favreau and Takatakiti, Takatata, Taka, whatever his name is, if they give it to them, I think the Star Wars would be in good hands. But I really think they should dig into the legends and go explore Luke Skywalker's kids because there has to be Skywalkers. Like, it just has to. Like, we're not going to get into Star Wars if there's no Skywalkers. It's all about this family. Even if you're going to move on, there should be some lineage to Star Wars, to the Skywalkers, man. <sighs> I'm just a nerd, man. That's what I am. That's me nerding out. Uh, but that's, yeah, that was all. That's a wrap. I would say this is our. our this is my Woody's Roundup. Woody's Roundup. This is just everything that's happening out here on the streets. 
And we did 39 minutes. Yeah, I'm alone on the hill. I remember when I first started this podcast, I couldn't talk for seven minutes. And now we're dang near 40 minutes in. But uh, this next episode coming out is with my dear friend Carla, Carla Allo. We talk about her going through life. We talk about it's just an amazing conversation. We hear me and her haven't spoken 19 years. Last time we seen each other was when we were, I think, 15 or 14. And we recently had a great conversation. So it was just an amazing conversation. So be soon. That podcast is going to drop soon. My name is Jared Waters. This is One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Uh, this is our, I'm going to call this our Woody's Roundup. This is the Woody's Roundup. It's just what's going on with the world today. So, uh, whew, what in Takashi 6 9 is going on, folks? <laughs>